to the Steph Gordon Show. Today, I am joined by somebody who has always massively inspired me, even since before I started my business. I am so excited to bring on Mon Palmer, who is just such an all-round legend, absolute incredible business babe, has multiple businesses, multiple different products and services and offers. She is a landscape designer. She is a product-based owner of a, of a beautiful outdoor shower. She has course launches. She has houses that she rents out and so much more. There's so much to you. There's so much that you do, Mon. And to be able to handle all of that and, and with what we're going to dive into today, which I'm really excited about, I am so excited to have you on this podcast today. Oh, Steph, that is uh, so beautiful of you to say because I'm super excited to be here as well. And when um, I saw that you were wanting to have a chat, I was just like straight out, yes, we've got to do this. And I myself admire all that you do and your journey. I've loved watching it. So it's just, yeah, a really nice opportunity for, for us to chat about it all and get a good insight into each other as well and just sit down and have this. And I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me too. Mon and I have been talking um, online for years. And one of the things that we've discussed a lot, um, and I'll, we'll dive into this, but one of the topic points for today is going to be around health and, and managing your health in your business. Because Mon and I have been kind of on and off talking about some of our health troubles that we've had over the past few years in DM. And I just thought that it's one of those things I think in business is so forgotten about when you're in the hustle. That's <laughs> probably the most important, right? Of course. And it's so hard because we don't want to be defined by our health and how we feel, but it is such a big part of it. And I think we forget as busy people in life, whether we are men or women, mums, dads, or just business owners or people who are just working in general, we do forget to check in with ourselves. And like you, I've had a huge journey over the last few years with this and it has been actually quite enlightening and pivotal for mm. my life and business. Yes. And we're going to dive into that in a minute, guys, because oh, there's so much juicy that we're going to be unpacking. <laughs> but just for the listeners, I'm sure they already know who you are, but if they don't, who is Mon Palmer and what does a day in your life look like? Okay, so first and foremost, I'm a partner and a mum to my boys. So we live in Perth and we also have a dog, a blue staffy called Tonka. So we're a really tight family. We're a small family and we love doing a lot of things together. So before I started the business journey, I really wanted to blend work and life together. And I have found over the years as we've grown a family, we've been able to do that with many challenges, of course. But um, yeah, balancing it all has been kind of hard. But yeah, so I'm a family girl. I was raised in Perth. I love the outdoors. I started my business journey in landscape design and now that's evolved to now designing interiors and homes for clients and developers all around the country and soon hopefully overseas as well which I've just had an inquiry about yeah Yeah. and so also with that I guess my journey has been quite full-bodied I self-publish a book and I create products and we have an outdoor shower range And really, I just want to create experiences for people. And last year, after all the health issues, I um, really thought about what I wanted to do. And I created my design studio, which I'd always never, I've really never really dived into it in such a deep way, apart from when I first launched, but a design studio where we create raw and natural spaces and create beautiful experiences for people. So yeah, that's my main purpose at the moment. You're uh, like, we're going to dive into this in a minute, how you do it all. but. your Instagram is 
my life's inspo. So <laughs> that is like, that's so nice to hear because it really, I have like a bit of a confession. I have no structure to my Instagram. <laughs> I don't strategize about it. And I really just go by feel. And it's been so fortunate that it has grown organically and developed organically. But I just, yeah, I, the one thing I always want to keep with that is just always posting my own images and just being true to who I am and hopefully that will connect with my ideal client and the people and community that I want to connect with but and I, like I'm so thankful that you said that because of late I've been feeling really strange about Instagram and I'm sure a lot of people have and I know there's been a lot of changes with things and when I first started on it the landscape has changed with how Instagram is used and I guess delivered and how people show up on it and I've also experienced like, cause like I, I share on there cause I love to share and I, there's no strategy to it. I just, you know, whatever feels right, I do it. But, um, I have had like people think that I am completely invested and I'm an Instagram person. And that's kind of weird when that comes from my friends. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this as well, but it has two sides to it. And I, I am so fortunate for it because it's the only way I do get my clients and my work. But on the other side of it, it's like, it's so prominent in everyone's life these days that I sometimes I feel like I'm really on show now, which is a really weird and strange way to feel. It is. And that Social Dilemma show that came out a couple of months or years ago, probably now on Netflix, really highlighted to me just like our addiction to social media. And I think as small business owners, especially, yes. like I could lose way too many hours on Instagram in a really unhealthy way. And also you're so right. It's like, we were just having a conversation just before this podcast launched about something that has happened to me in the last couple of weeks that I'm like, I almost feel like obliged to share it on social media, but then I'm also like, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like I actually don't need to, and I don't want to share that on social media. It's a culture that we've created where it's like, you need to have every single minute on show. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, so this happens. So I've got to put that out there. And it's the same thing I had, not in your context, but when we went away for the weekend. It was like the first time we went away for work for a long time. And we caught up with so many friends who'd moved down there and kids and we we're having the best time. And I was like, I, I, I didn't want to share it because it was so personal and beautiful and we're just so in the moment. But then I thought, oh, I feel like it was a lost moment because it wasn't shared. And that is such a weird way to think about life. How life has evolved so differently now. And I look at Seb, who's four and a half, and um, he is really, um, you know, he loves YouTube and gaming and wants to be a YouTuber and he's four and a half. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah, it just highlights how different our life is these days. But we're so dependent on it, but I'm so fortunate and grateful for it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you sell to make your very first dollar as an entrepreneur? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this, yeah. Well, okay. So before I was in landscape, I'm like, like, I've been making money since I was born. So where do I start? It's generational. Okay. So I made my first dollar in business. So I was working in retail. I was a fashion retail assistant at Live Clothing. For anyone who's in WA and South Australia, you'll know Live has been around. When I was there, it was like, yeah, quite new and I was a store manager there, but I wanted to go and live in London for a couple of years on a working visa, travel around and just like get a bit more perspective. I think I was like 22. So that was a couple of decades ago. And it really wasn't going to afford me to get to live in London, like a round the world ticket, which I think was a couple of grand or a few grand at that stage and I was making earrings to go with our outfits that we had to wear at 
at live and people always ask about them. Friends would, you know, want to buy them from me and get me to design some. And I thought, you know what, I could actually maybe make some money out of this. I really need money for my ticket and to like find a place to stay in London. So I put together a whole bunch of samples and I thought if there was anywhere I wanted them to be stocked, where would that be? And I thought, oh, sports girl, like I love sports girl at the time. And so I found out who the buyer was of the women's merchandise or women's jewellery. And so I found her name and then I sent her a bunch of these samples asking them if they wanted to buy them and stock them in the stores. Anyway, she picked up one of the lines of them and my earrings were stocked nationally all around Australia in sports girl. And I couldn't believe it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so this was like, yeah, I was 22 at the time. I just had an idea and I thought I'd just go for it. And that was when something really clicked in me because I haven't come from a family of business owners or, you know, anything like that. No one sort of mentored me. I actually never really knew the world of business. It was always like, get a job. That was it, (laughs) basically. And so when I had made this happen and I got my check in the mail, and bought my ticket, I was like, you know what, there, there's something in this. And I was so inspired and excited about it that that never left me. And so when I went over to London, because I was really lost, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. And when I went and lived in London and travelled around, that's when I became really obsessed with how people lived in their spaces and people living in different ways. So that sort of set the seed and I thought, what could I do at home to yeah, create my own life, I guess. That is the coolest startup entrepreneurial story of all time. Like, yeah, I was kind of just making some like some earrings and then next minute, you know, sports girl stocked them. So that's how it kind of started. But Steph, oh my God, you would not believe the ones they picked up though. The most intricate, little tiny oh, seed. No. You know, I was going to ask about mine. <laughs> I was just about to be like, how did you make enough earrings? Yeah. About the Bills moment. I just read her book actually. They were, there were 600 pairs that they ordered and each of them had four rings of like seed beads, tiny black seed beads on them. So my best friend who I've grown up with my whole life, Amy, love you, Amy, she sat there and made many of them with me and it just about broke me. And the same story has been happening all the way through business. <laughs> you go say something big and you go, I can do this. And then you realize that, oh my God, yeah. And then when you make it and you do it, it's that sense of, achievement and just like disbelief that it's actually happened but then that that sound belief within yourself that you can actually make your own dreams come what i'm hearing is unrealistic goal achiever just constantly but that doesn't come without burnout yeah and yeah and there's you know when you are the kind of hustler that just gets after it and gets shit done and you know goes and gets the thing and it's like oh shit now we actually have to deliver this so okay let's do it you know no planning no structure no no preparation and and that's pretty much how I've grown all my businesses as well, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I totally, totally know that can cause that that constant repeated burnout cycle. So talk yeah. us through the evolution of your business journey. You've created some obviously incredible products. Like, you know, you kind of mentioned just before, you're living in London, looking at these spaces, looking at the way people use spaces. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, the next step that I'm aware of is landscape design. So <laughs> tell me about how this evolution occurred. Yeah, so I got the ticket, went and travelled, backpacked around the US and Mexico, like Central America, went to London and lived there for a couple of years. I was working for a real estate agent called Foxton's Real Estate and I was working in the head office there and I would field all of the incoming calls for people who were looking for rental accommodation or wanting to buy and um, all of them were asking for outdoor space. 
like it just was a constant through all of no matter what budget they had everyone wanted outdoor space and I was just thinking this is so strange you've got the most dreary cold weather but (laughs) I was thinking the same thing I'm going are you serious like I come from Perth where it's all sunny and shiny you wouldn't know and um and I'm going wow even people in like rainy and cold because I don't really do rainy and cold too well and I was like wow so yeah it is definitely a thing and I just it just kept repeating and it was like this sign it kept repeating over and over and because I was I loved outdoors and I loved plants and to be honest before I went to study I had never planted a plant before in my life and I never grew up like <laughs> with a green thumb or anyone showing me. So I don't know where this came from. I really don't. So anyway, I was thinking, you know, I'd love to design outdoor spaces because at home we've got such beautiful weather. Our blocks are big. Like I could really take this home if people here are wanting this so bad. It's really an, a missed opportunity at home. So why don't I go back and study? So I came back and I didn't study because I was too scared. <laughs> So came back after a couple of years and because I was like booking all of my friends trips over in London, like because I met this group of girls from Australia who were all worked at this real estate agent, we were like well, from all around the country. I was really good at finding good flights and cheap packages online, like I'm a researcher. So I was, I was always booking people's trips while I was there. And so one of the girls said, you should be a travel consultant. So I came back and I um, got a job at Flight Centre and, and trained to become a travel consultant. So I was working there for a couple of years, I think. And this like burning desire was still there to go and study. Um, I had a mortgage at the time, like an investment property. Um, and so I couldn't really afford to, but I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll make that call. I'll do it. I'll sacrifice and I'll make it work, however, whatever comes up. So I quit at Flight Centre. I went to enrol in a landscape design course, but they didn't have a nationally recognised qualification in Perth at TAFE. They had landscape architecture, but I couldn't do that because I'd nearly failed high school, which is a whole other story. <laughs> and, then, and I was like meant to study to become a zoologist. And so I had to do it at TAFE. And the closest course they had was landscape in horticulture. So I was learning about plants and also for a year I did construction. So I had a ute, like a trade back element in a ute, had all the tools, I paved, I built limestone walls, I laid retic, I laid lawn for a year and like learned all the construction side and was on site at this Murdoch TAFE, which is kind of like a farmyard, and then on site like building things for a year and also studying horticulture. I was one of two girls and I tell you what, like the sexism was huge and I would yeah I would cry every day and it was really tough and then I was also poor to the point of not being able to afford my mortgage and you know that's that's a really scary position to be in but I didn't want to give up at that time I didn't have any family help or support and we were kind of all estranged and so I was really on my own and I guess that was probably one of the hardest um, times in my life but I kept going and I stood up to the guy who was being very rude and sexist towards me and I made it through and then after that year they had started their first landscape design course at TAFE like a nationally recognized course and I was one of their inaugural students to do that so I did that for a year or two I think it was so I studied for a few years, like eventually sold that house and so I didn't have the mortgage and I started my first landscape design business while I was studying because I was working at Bunnings in the plant section to like pay my mortgage and stuff, but I needed a bit more income as well. And I thought if I worked there, you know, learning about the plants as well as like at teeth, and then I could also start some client work because people started asking me to help them with their garden. And so that's how I started my first business while studying as well. 
Oh my gosh, Mon, that is so insane. Like the thing I really want to touch on there for all of our listeners is like, I mean this with the most amount of love to anybody listening because it might offend some people, but like, are you actually doing enough? Because like Mon, like I know that it has been wildly successful for you since then. And I know that you've had huge success and you live in a bloody palace now. And, you know, it's a really small palace, but it's it's so good. (laughs) But, you know, it's, you've created this incredible life from those moments, but it was not without its risk and it was not without its sacrifice. And every decision you made, like, you know, for those entrepreneurs, like we coach women sometimes who, yeah, for whatever reason, like the business is is struggling to take off or they don't have the capacity or whatever. There's a lot of fear, mindset work, whatever it might be. And they have to go get, you know, part-time jobs or day jobs and they, they see it as failure. And I just see it as drive and as ambition. And it's so powerful. Like the fact that you were working in Bunnings, learning the things that you needed to learn, also putting yourself in front of ideal clients every single day, plus the learning, plus like the construction, the early mornings, the slog, the physical and the sexism, like you have slogged for this career. Yeah, I have literally started from the ground up and I never forget my roots. I never forget where I've come from. Like it just, it actually makes me emotional thinking about it because I think and when when I was referring back to Instagram before, people just think that, you know, you're kind of just born into this life or you've had it easy or whatever. And what they haven't seen is the, like I started this 15 years ago and they didn't see, you know, I wasn't, there wasn't even Instagram back then. So they wouldn't have seen that journey. And I never want people to feel like, you know, if they don't have it all now, that they can't. And that's why I just like, you know, love sharing my story, especially with people who get it like you, you know, you just, you have to know the full picture of it all. And especially for people who are starting out, like it's, yeah, it's so easy to feel like a failure because you haven't done it quickly when it's really like just keep putting in the work and just, you know, for a short term, maybe 10 years, it might be hard slog, but it does pay off in the end. And I think one thing I said to myself when I went into this industry, when I went to study, was um, you're not going to give up because prior to that, I tried all different jobs. And I think I didn't have much self-belief in myself. And because I was a straight A student, I was doing TA, I was going to be a zoologist and then I rebelled. And so I never thought I was capable of doing the things that I wanted to. So I was a telemarketer. I did door-to-door sales. I did um, all the stuff, but I tell you what, those jobs gave me the best sales training, resilience, you know, overcoming adversity. There's all those things that I learned, which at the time, like I felt so so much like a failure and alone and I just couldn't hold anything down the one thing I did say to myself was yeah just don't give up on this just keep going no matter what and that's all I've done in this whole time is just one foot in front of the other and then I've gone okay now I've gone over that hurdle or that mountain now let's look from the top and see what else what else can I climb what else opens up when I'm up here what else you know does this look like now that I've kind of got my head around doing that and I guess always growing and learning and I did study landscape design and horticulture and construction but everything else from there has really been self-taught and has been like self-discovery and then now I've come to the point where I'm like now it's the time to lean on a team and people and grow that so I'm only just coming into that phase now and because I've been so fiercely independent before because I really only had myself to rely on I didn't know how to let go of that and I didn't know any different 
So I always did all the things because I was so used to it. And so now I'm coming into a new phase where that's changing and it's really exciting. It's like the most fulfilled I've felt in a long time. I'm so happy that you were able to reach that point. And you're so right. I think if you look at the faces of business and we like to discuss it kind of in this slide, it's like that first 10 years, that first like for you, 10 years, for me, five or whatever it looks like. I think I'm still in it. I think I'm still like coming out of that phase at the moment. I think I think it really does take a, a proper solid decade, to be honest, to really start to figure it out. But that first startup phase, wherever you are in the startup phase right now, if you're listening, is like it's so much masculine energy because yeah. it's hustle, it's decision-making, it's resilience, it's like picking yourself up when you fall down and it's like giving yourself the pump up speech before you go to work each day. And there's a real masculine energy to that hustle mentality that, you know, and and I think for women like you and I, and I mean, you've been doing it a lot longer than me, but five, six years ago, like that's all we were taught was to hustle. Yeah. We didn't know another way. There was no other way. We were from up like that, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's changing that whole um, mindset and the wiring of your brain. So that's what I've been working on a lot lately and I just love it and it's just yeah changing those thought patterns and it's slowly like rewiring and it's really interesting to see how my perspective has changed and even my energy and just my mental space yeah and it's hard to allow yourself I think as a woman it's so hard to allow yourself to be supported yeah especially by other women it, it feels really like, especially if you're the kind of person, I don't know about you, Mon, but like if you're the kind of person who is the natural nurturer, who's always been there for others, who's always been the strong one, it's quite hard then to turn around and be like, oh, you can support me and I'm allowed to be vulnerable and I'm allowed to have moments of weakness. And it almost feels yeah. impossible when you first start with the team. It, yeah. And even like that is in relationships also as well. When you say that, it made me feel that. And when I met Phil, like we have been together, I think 12 years, he was the first person in my life who I felt completely supported by and who actually like was a cheerleader for me, if that makes sense. And so it took me a while to embrace that. Mm. I didn't understand it. And then I realized. And so, yeah, it's just going through those levels of change, like within yourself and, mm. and letting that in. And, and I think now with doing that with a team is, yeah, is beautiful. Yeah, it's going to be really great. Yeah. So I know it hasn't all been smooth sailing for you mm-hmm. over the past few years. I mean, obviously, even from this story alone, but you've had some health challenges. Yes. So I don't know. Look, you don't have to give it all away. It's totally up to you what you do and don't disclose. There's no pressure here at all. But how did you manage? Because I know you were pretty upfront about it on social media anyway. How have you found balancing your business and your well-being? And and how has that shifted your perspective on life? Oh, okay. So it goes back four years. So Seb was about six months old. We had a brilliant pregnancy and it had taken us a few years to fall and uh, we actually didn't think that it was going to happen and so we had kind of like gone well you know what if it doesn't it doesn't and we were fine with that you know we're like if it happens naturally it does you know we didn't want to go down the IVF path because we were just like you know what if this happens it does we didn't want to put too much pressure on ourselves and anyway Phil had I think he had a year off. He's a firefighter and you can do like 20% sacrifice of your pay and then you have a year off after five years. And so we were planning, we said we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves, but we planned to have our child in that one year. So 
yeah. no pressure. Planning it at all? No. <laughs> but actually, looking back, you better happen this year, or don't bother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, well, you're not going. We're just going to go traveling. So you know, <laughs> boat kids. Sorry, but anyway, so it didn't happen in that year, of course. And we packed up the car with our dog, and we thought we'll go and live in Byron for three months. And it was just kind of like I was starting to get inquiries about that place, and I thought I have to immerse myself in it because I feel like Byron is going to be a big place where my clients are going to be, which has happened. So we lived there for three months and just immerse ourselves in the, in the space and I'll kind of work from there and stuff and did that and thought maybe that's when we might feel pregnant. Anyway, we didn't, came back and then a few months had passed. I had to go back for work to see a client. And when we went back for work, that's when we found out we were actually pregnant. So it went full circle. And then, yeah, we had a great pregnancy and six months after Seb was born, we were doing a renovation on our house. So our house was really built a two by one, you know, within our means. And then we thought, oh, now we'll build up. So we, yeah, started this huge renovation and we lived out of home, moved house. And yeah, I just, while I was there, just got this rash all over my body like in my torso area and it was really weird um I was very tired like extremely tired like just bone tired and I just didn't know what was going on and I I just didn't feel myself and before that I'd never really been to the doctors I didn't have a doctor I just had my obstetrician who we saw like three times and everything at like you know it yeah it wasn't really a big deal like my health and things just kept getting worse like rashes kept coming back I had swollen lymph nodes in my neck and they couldn't put their finger on they couldn't really find anything and then these swollen lymph nodes in my neck kept growing and they were starting to look abnormal so um, after a year or two they decided to do a neck dissection where they removed some of them to make sure it wasn't lymphoma and Having a little one, like I think Seb was two at the time and running a business and having a partner and it really rocked us and me and, uh, yeah, it makes you think about things, I guess, in a very different way to what you have before. Like I've always gone and lived life and um, done everything I could. I really have never had anything to lose in life and that's why I think I went for it, but now I did. And so it made things, yeah, really heavy, really heavy. And I just found it really difficult to navigate. Uh, I found it hard to show up for clients because I was just working with myself, like for myself. And thankfully that came back not being a malignancy, but I had some other like follicular hyperplasia, which can be like a precursor to it. And so I've got like a lot of cells in my body. I get lumps everywhere. I had a lump removed from my breast and they just keep popping up. And I've currently, the lumps have moved down to my collarbone now. So they're starting to multiply again. And so they couldn't really figure it out for years and years. And I just kept thinking that they've missed something and, you know, I'm slowly dying and no one's really helping. It was, yeah, it was a hard mental battle. Um, and I felt really isolated and alone with it because I started to feel really annoying to my family, which is really, it seems really silly, but, um, you know, you feel like a bit of a burden when you don't have any energy. Like I just didn't feel like myself. Mm-hmm. I knew something was wrong because usually I could just get up, go do it. Like, and you know, I was getting a bit older, so it was some of that as well, but, um, I don't know if it was my body telling me to slow down. So I've still got follicular um, hyperplasia in my lymph nodes. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is like a chronic illness of pain around your body. 
I'm still unsure about that because I don't feel like I have like the pain points. And then just recently, my thyroid antibodies were elevated and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune called lichen sclerosis. And then it looks like I may have an autoimmune called Hashimoto's disease or thyroiditis. Um, So that's where your body attacks itself. So autoimmune is when, yeah, your body attacks itself. So when I'm in uh, feeling stressed or tired, I can go into flare-ups and yeah, I'm out. I'm pretty much wiped out. So yeah, a lot of that can be caused by past trauma. And I haven't had an easy life. Like I've had a lot of things happen in my life that could have been trauma that's coming out. And so, yeah, we're still not 100% sure on, on what this all means. But I think last year, so what these lumps came up after they had been gone for a while. Like, so they were in my neck and they removed them and then these ones popped on my collarbone and they're highly suspicious for malignancy and things like that. So I just instantly just freaked out. It's all fine, but I guess I really hit my rock bottom in what I could take with all this after like three and a half years. And Phil and I just said, you know, let's really take this opportunity to, I guess, reassess, look at everything and see if like, you know, if worse came to worse and it was that, that's all right because most things are treatable these days. But what would we do differently? And like, how would we be living our life? You know, and so let's take this time to do that now instead of waiting for something that, you know, I may get a diagnosis in years to come or whatever. Let's just, let's just use it as like fuel to change things up now. And so that's when I went deep again in my business. So in 2017, we were living in Boulder in Colorado because Phil wanted to do this like high altitude training in, in the mountains there in the Rockies. And he had long service again. He's been a firefighter for a while. And at that stage, that was after I'd worked for a landscape architect firm for a few years after my first business partnership went sour. And before I relaunched my own business again, I did Marie Folio's B-School and I thought a lot about my ideal client, how I wanted to market myself and present now that I had this opportunity to rebrand and, you know, re-emerge. And I'd always looked at other landscape industries for inspiration, but this time I was like, no, I want to look at everything that I'm passionate about and love. And so it was like fashion and architecture and interiors and different things that weren't specifically landscape design. And I hadn't done that deep work in my business. And so last year was when I did. It was on a whole other level. I worked with one of my good friends, Jen McMahon. She has modern people and we did like our source. So finding purpose and mission and vision and values and all of that. And I guess I thought about if I'm going to be doing this day in and day out. I want to leave a legacy. I want to have a purpose. And so going through all of that health stuff has led me to getting really niche down, I guess, on on what I wanted to do. Yeah, moving forward in the business and in life. My goodness, what a four-year journey that was for you. I I mean, we were in conversation Yes. uh, anyway, but I didn't realize... I mean, I knew that it was dragged out. I knew I knew for years that you hadn't had the diagnosis. That yeah. that in itself is such a challenge. And like you mentioned about kind of bit, feeling like a bit of a, like not burden, but being tough with your family because it's like, you, you know, there is something wrong. Like you, you know. Like yeah, yeah. Because you know it's wrong and you know that it's not right. But 
if they can't find anything, they can't find anything. And so, but, but you know, when your body is off and you know yourself and oh man, it's been so tough. How did you balance? Like, obviously, you know, when you were going through those last four years, I mean, you were still working, like you were still showing up. Like, how did you change things in your business? Even probably to this day, because your energy probably fluctuates quite a lot. And, you know, you want to make sure that you don't put yourself in situations when you get stressed or tired because you yes. don't want the flare-ups. So how have you now structured your business days to look now that you have, you know, the health and the diagnosis as a priority? So before I had the diagnosis, I just stripped back everything. And I guess, you know, there's a story of to why my design studio is now called Bear Carbo. <laughs> it's because I literally stripped everything bare and got rid of things that I didn't need to be doing because I like to do it all and everything and I get so excited and I'm like oh I could do this and you know so I just went to yeah the bare minimum um, of what I needed to do to get through the weeks and to make sure my family was supported and good and um, so yeah so that was the first point is like learning to let go and mm. know that you know what this isn't the day and the time to be doing it all so that was the first step and I guess I allowed more time for free space as well. And Seb started little school when he was two and a half. So for the last couple of years, I've been able to work Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday or three days a week as such without having to juggle or balance too much. So they were the days that I would focus on. And I think I get stuff done pretty well, like I'm good at juggling. Mm. Um, But it was getting to the point of, this isn't sustainable. Mm. So I stripped back, went right like to bare basics, but there was still a lot with that. There were still clients. And then I stopped doing my courses and masterclasses and things like that because I had to show up and I didn't have the energy to do that. And I think that was adding the stress on me as well. But that really, you know, that hurt because I love to share and grow and learn with people. So yeah, that made things a little bit more isolating, I guess. Mm. and then yeah and then I thought okay let's look at people's faces in a more holistic way and take more time for each client so said no to many clients and people and still do that now and I'm very clear on who I take on Mm. so it's uh lessening the workload and then now I'm in the next phase of okay so I don't want to say no to everything so how can I build a support network around me with a team so we can do it together and yet build a sustainable business. And now going back to when Phil and I spoke about, okay, how would we want our life to look? That's when our passion project came into play as well, which is the sabbatical collection. That's our ultimate and end dream. And we were like, well, let's just go for it now instead of waiting mm. five or 10 years. And so with that comes, we know we'll have to have like managers and people within it. So I was like, okay, instead of me always thinking like I have to do it on my own, that was very easy to know there's going to be managers and stuff there. So why was it so hard for me to think about that in my business? Mm. And so I just applied that kind of thinking to my design studio and then that's what's helped me and also working with a coach and putting those things in play and mentors and people, consultants to help make sure that I'm putting processes and procedures in place. I think that's the big thing as well. So growing a team with people, but having the things in place and the contracts and making everything really strong, the foundation's really good and leaning on people who have that skill set who can do it really quickly instead of me trying to work it out myself, like engaging them, paying them to do it, 
And, you know, it's not necessarily the in-house team, but there's also the broader people who support the business as well. And I think that has, yeah, has been a life changer. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're feeling inspired or moved by Mon's story, what I really encourage you to do, and I'm sure Mon will encourage you the same, is like, don't wait until the health scare hits. Oh my God. Like, if this is not sustainable for you, have a look at your life right now. If you're listening to this, have a look at your life right now. If you are hitting regular burnout cycles, and I don't know if you were before you got before you got sick, but before I got sick, I was hitting pretty regular burnout cycles. I knew it wasn't sustainable. My body was screaming at me to stop. And my mind was like, no, nah, you're lazy. Just keep going. You've got oh my God, yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Don't worry, you're driven, you're ambitious, you've got this. Like yeah, push, you've push. done it before, you can keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've seen so many women, even in one of my masterminds at the moment, someone just came to me and she had a bit of a health scare. And luckily for her, it wasn't very big, but it made her reassess and reprioritize and go, you know what? I can't do this. Like if if yeah. I, if I actually got sick, my business would completely fall apart. The foundations aren't set. There's yeah. no one there to support me. There's no systems or processes or procedures. No one could step in and take over. So then the entire income of their family is completely yeah. wiped out because she like the sole earner and it's not worth it. Like it's, no, it's just because it's scary. yeah, you're, you're fiercely independent and it's so easy to think and to tell yourself and to believe and, and, you know, continue to to reinforce like I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. But you are crazy if you try to do it all alone. And every person who joins our purpose and profit mastermind, it's something yeah. that we talk about with them. It's like, I don't care if you think that you want to scale or not, but you need to scale <laughs> because you deserve a holiday. Or well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It has to be something in place. And I, and I don't know where we've learned that from or haven't learned that or yeah where it's come from and I think it's probably like it's like 101 really uh and I'm surprised that I've grown such a large business and the clients that I have doing it like I've always had contractors I'm not saying I did it on my own and I've got the best supportive partner who's on shift work so you know it that is amazing and he helps out with so much, especially our shower businesses with him. He's a partner. And then one of our best mates, he's a commercial plumber. So yeah, but it just, I just don't know how I've really got this, <laughs> to be honest, without it. And I really do. I wish I had learned this earlier. And so for anyone who's listening who maybe they think, wow, that sounds like me. Maybe I should look into doing that. I definitely recommend it mm-hmm. because it won't, you may feel like it's more work or it's bringing on more stress or more responsibility, but it, it's really like sharing the load. Mm. One of my biggest things, actually, I did have a fear, and I think it may be like mental blocks of fears that why people don't do it. I was scared of the responsibility. So I love to be very fluid and, you know, I wanted to be location independent and all that kind of stuff. But what I've realised is you can still do and be that with a team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because we have 17 team members and we all work online. Like, yeah. like we have people in other countries. Like the whole thing runs online. Like it's not, but it's funny. We are so lucky that we can do that in this day and age, right? We are so lucky because yeah, like 15, 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't a possibility. So we're, we're really lucky, but yeah, you're right. But it's crazy because the only way, and this comes down to conditioning again and, and that set way of doing it, but the only way that you were taught to run a business was like, oh, if you have employees, you must have an office. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's just not that anymore. So we may as well take advantage of that music cloud advantage and yeah, I our guess. stories are so similar. Mom. I know. I actually, I know that that's crazy because um, you and I have never really had a conversation about it, which is insane. But yeah. I started out in hardcore cold calling sales as well. And, oh my god! And we're <laughs> in the same cubicles, like gosh. <laughs> and in retail as well. And I lived in London as a young. Oh my gosh! And. I think our trajectories have been uh, weirdly quite the same and also had the same hustle mentality, same culture, the same hustle culture. And when I got diagnosed a couple of years ago now, and at the time we thought it was multiple sclerosis, which yes. was, we kind of got, I kind of misdiagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And um, I remember thinking to myself the same as you did. I was like, I had that instant and it always, do you know, I don't know about you, Mon, for me, I felt like once I came to acceptance, yeah. actually felt like freedom. Oh, I, yes. Gosh. It was the weirdest. I'm not crazy, right? But it's yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's like you have this this feeling of being like, well, life is short and I'm not, oh. not going to do it that way. And it has to be different because nothing is worth sacrificing the short time. Like, you know, with multiple sclerosis, it, you know, yeah. the likelihood of me living past like 65 is really low. And then uh, to be in a wheelchair by like, you know, 50 was, was highly likely. And so I was like, if I, I'm 30, if I only have till 50, like I've got to get some shit done. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've got things yeah, to do and have places to yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's amazing the power that it has. And for me, not knowing for so many years, and then finally the dots connecting and it's weird because it's only because I came up on lab reports that then they finally you know will say that that's it but I feel like I was more in tune with my body that I knew what was happening prior to it showing up in labs but to not have that diagnosis and I feel it's more like a boundary like a so now that I know what it is or what I'm working with then I can change my life around that and I really have gone deep into like I've started celery juicing every morning and I've just joined up to a wellness center and all the things that I guess like I didn't know how to navigate it because I wasn't too sure what it was but now that I have that information I can work with it and now I believe I'm going to be even more in tune my body and healthy and successful knowing that I'm going to be focusing my time on my health as well not just business and my family so it has given me that more well-rounded view of life Mm. and um yeah I always knew that it was quite short but this is on a whole different level and I guess it's probably making me think about how can I increase longevity and life spirit by looking after all the things it's crazy when you just when you start like looking after your health how good it feels (laughs) Oh, like your body, even just like the things that you mentioned, like celery juicing and like, you know, 10 minute meditations and I'm really conscious yeah. of the low FODMAP foods and yes. that sort of stuff. And like, my body is just like, it's like she sighed this really oh. big sigh of relief. She was like, thank you for finally yes. honoring me yes. and loving me. I had so much more respect. I'm sure you do too as well for your yeah. body than ever before. Well, I see it react very quickly now both in good and bad ways so I stopped drinking on Valentine's Day like I've had a couple of drinks here and there but every time I have one I instantly feel sick or if I have a bit of bread now because gluten is like a high flare-up ingredient I feel it but then if I celery just for a few mornings in a row 
like everything will be quite sharp and sparkly and beautiful. Mm. Like it's like the colour, everything. So I feel both sides of it now and I really want to be more on the good side than the bad. And I understand now what feeling our body correctly can do mm. for our mental health especially. So yeah. with multiple businesses... Yes. How do you stay on top of your competing priorities? Like, and that could be, you could be, you could take the super logical, like you could tell me the systems and the tools that you use, or you could just tell me like, I just don't, other people keep me organized. (laughs) Well, I'm just employing a business coordinator to keep me managed and to keep me because at the moment I've been just juggling it all. Now, to be honest, like the shower business, we've got Phil and Steve who basically run that. So that's fine. I do some customer service and sitting off and making sure everyone's like getting back to with their inquiries. So that is a pretty well-oiled machine and it doesn't take too much time, but we're wanting to really up it into the next phase in the coming months. So that's going to be interesting. So that's going to add on more workload. So that's why I'm bringing on people to try and shift that around to other people. And then I have my online courses and masterclass, which has been on the back burner for a while, but again, bringing on the business coordinator. So we're going to grow that maybe at the end of the year. So slowly bringing that up into speed again, once I've got time, Mm. once I've set up processes and I've got time to really focus on that. And then the design business, I think there's like five people that work within that whether they're full-time or contractors. And previously, I was just doing all the inquiries, emails, you know, fee proposals, the designing, and now I share that out and we're starting to all create roles and responsibilities within that business. So before, it used to just be a shit show, basically. Mm, it's so crazy because there's, there's a saying that says um, structure creates freedom. And it's funny because when you're the kind of... You're like, yes, it makes sense. When you're in flow and when you're, when you're a female and, and like you kind of mentioned before, you know, oh, I don't really like have any plan. I just kind of do it when I feel like it. Yada. Yeah. And that's yeah. all well and good until it's not. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I've got this. This is amazing. Like I've got the most freest life. I just, you know, come in and out, whatever. And then, yeah, like she hits the fan and then you're like, oh, I can't even turn to anyone. You know, it, it yeah. just stops. It literally stops. So, yeah. Yeah, it does. And that, a feeling. And I think it's when you start to listen to your body and you can hear it and you can feel those adrenaline spikes, which is what you want to avoid in life. Because when, when your adrenaline spikes, for those of you who are listening, it creates obviously adrenaline in your body. And if we don't move or burn that adrenaline, it actually turns quite toxic. And that's when we have those fight or flight responses. And that's when things like the thyroid start really like cramping <laughs> up its little head. And, and if we're not, we, we don't really want to be living in that high adrenaline mode all the time. But when you're in business, often we are sitting in that high adrenaline mode. Yeah, you want it, right? Yeah, yeah. you kind of love it yeah kind of addicted yeah. to it yeah and so now when I feel that spiking I'm like oh yeah. okay that indicates to me straight away that there's no structure that we need to create structure somewhere because if it's feeling like this yes and I'm raising my hands above my head and shaking them around but if it feels manic it means yeah. that it needs structure you know oh that word that you say manic yeah. and that was what a lot of my life was and I'm I'm sure that contributed to the chronic illnesses and autoimmune and all of that, you know, because that's trauma and stress in your body over and over and over again. And I would live in those states for a long time. And then when I had said couldn't do that, I would just fall asleep at like eight o'clock. So it was really interesting when I couldn't be in those manic states anymore mm, yeah. because I couldn't get the shit done then. Yeah, it's almost like you're relying on, it's like the adrenaline becomes a drug and you're almost like relying on it to get the shit done. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So then I was like, oh, I've got to do it in like working hours during the day. Wow, what does that look, how? You know, I couldn't get that creativity flowing. So I lost my creativity for a long time as well. And that was really hard. And I just thought I wasn't 
cut out for the job, you know, and uh, I thought I couldn't do it anymore. So there were many, many times that I was going to pack it all in and give it up. And lucky I had Phil there to to say, mm, I, don't, I don't think you're looking at it in the right way. <laughs> you know, he's so opposite to me. He's um, definitely, yeah, definitely sees things in a different way. And I'm thankful for that. There are so many times, yeah, where you feel like giving up. And, and for the listeners, if you're in business, you will feel like giving up so many times. Yeah. And when you are in those moments... I think what it really is, is like, A, you need somebody else to give you a different perspective because you're probably just making it harder instead of smarter. Like there's just ways that you need to simplify or things you need to prioritize differently. When you're feeling like giving up, it's like, okay, yes, you need change, but you don't need to run and you don't need to shut it down. There are ways that you can switch it around. And I, with that, that's when I got a coach because I I was either like I said to Phil, I need help. And not in like the everyday terms of like, you know, the everyday of the workings of the business. I needed help mentally, like in my mindset, because I needed to get over a hurdle that I couldn't get over on my own. I'd used up all my resources and I was like, you know, I need an outside perspective and not Phil's and his perspective is really good. And it's usually the same as my coach, which is kind of funny. <laughs> coach, he, he's a sports psychologist, like performance psychologist. So he's in a totally different industry. And um, he is amazing because he just gives me a really good insight into things which are more, yeah, just a different to how I look at things and very, like, matter of fact. And he calls me out on on things um, very quickly, which is great. I love that. And just, yeah, seeing that it's not as bad as what you're looking at it and that if you just switch a couple of things out or around, and it's usually at those points where you're feeling the weeks when you want to give up is when you have those massive breakthroughs as well. Mm. I, I definitely find that. Yeah, I uh, saw a saying the other day that said something along the lines of, um, I'm going to absolutely butcher it, so I'm not going to try. But like your darkest days, you know, the ones that bring the rainbows in the end. And it's like, unfortunately, there's no way through it except through it. Like there's no coach even. And I think a lot of people come to coaches, like obviously I'm a business coach, and I think a lot of people come to us thinking that, you know, we will help you with the strategy and we will help you with the tactics, but we can't help you do the inner work. Like you have to to learn that. Yeah. And and you have to learn it. There's no shortcut through that. No, no. And you can can listen to all the mentoring that you want or the quotes or whatever, but unless you're actually putting that into practice, like you have to do the work. There's no other way. Like it's the action of it. So I'd love to know to wrap us up today. And this is not a question I ask often, but I think it was really valid for what, we've discussed today if you could go back and you could give some advice to 22 24 25 26 year old mon what would you what would you tell her oh wow i would tell her oh, i'm gonna get so emotional i know i was like i'm starting to cry i haven't even said anything yet. Sorry. <laughs> um it's actually something that i told myself a few years after that maybe i was 28 29 and um, I I made a huge decision to leave a relationship I was in that was for like a decade. It was one that I wasn't valued in at all and it was, I kind of had, had outgrown that kind of stage in my life and I wasn't valued. And I said to myself, if you leave now and you never turn back and you keep going forward, I promise you, you're going to have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I kept that promise to myself. I didn't turn back. I kept going. And every day, like I pinch myself every day because like my childhood and my life prior to becoming an adult, like I don't, 
I really disassociated with it and I just never knew joy or happiness and now I do every day and it's because I consciously created that and built that and I want anyone out there listening to know that if you feel that way and you feel like you can never have that I truly believe you can and it's just um building it and having that vision every single day working towards it no matter how hard it is or how long it takes like it'll happen and everything is timing and I think yeah we really can surprise ourselves when uh, we just believe so beautiful and you've got to hold the vision strongest on the darkest days I think is that's it's easy to believe in the vision on the good days it's easy to to back yourself but it's in those dark moments and those days where you are feeling tired and exhausted and like everything is against you that you've got to hold that vision even more you've got to hold it higher than ever before yeah and I think the more you grow and the more you come into yourself and the more hurdles you overcome, the harder it actually does get. So it doesn't get any easier, but it really does become richer. Yeah, it does. Oh, Mon, thank you so much, beautiful, for such an enlightening and such a raw and vulnerable conversation today. Like it's exactly what I wanted to create for listeners because there is so much to be learned from every single person's journey. Mon, where is the best place to witness you on this journey? <laughs> best place is on my Instagram. It's Mon <laughs> <laughs> underscore Palmer. Um, it's, yeah, I just share my life as it rolls along with all the different turns and it really just is a little insight into me. I have been shying away from it uh, a little bit over the last few years and I feel like I'm ready to share a lot more now, even with the criticism that may come with that. But yeah, I do love sharing the journey on there. So that's the best place to find me. Oh, well, we're so excited and I'm really excited to see sabbatical kick off as well. That's a very different business journey in itself. So that is dealing with the state government and grants and town planners and all the big girl stuff. I really feel like, (laughs) I really feel like this is a whole different level, but I'm so ready for it and I'm ready to put in that hard work. Definitely. I love it. And it's like, it's so funny because like the big girl stuff, like I know that some of the people listening will be in startups. They'll be like, the big girl stuff was sports girl. What are you talking about? <laughs> but you're so right. Like there's levels of big girl stuff. There's yeah. so many levels. And like, now you're like in the real shiz. <laughs> oh yeah. This is like stuff that will like, it'll blow Phil and I's mind if we do this because it's on a whole other realm of what we've ever put our dreams out there for, mm. but it's happening. It's like, each day a new door opens with it and it so we feel like we may as well just go with it and see what oh my gosh I'm so excited for you guys I really am it's going to be so exciting well well, I'm excited for everything you're doing as well and I've been loving these podcasts If, if you guys haven't listened to all of them you must go back and binge because they are so good and I guess yeah thank you for allowing us to have this space to talk so openly I know you're so open to it and yeah so it's really you that is allowing this to happen so thank you Thanks, Mon. All right, guys, if you love this episode, we would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and tag us, uh, both myself at Steph Gordon and at Mon underscore Palmer on Instagram. Tell us what your biggest takeaway was. Tell us something that you loved. Please share it. It is so important. And it's a message that I really, really wanted to share today. It was just about looking after your priorities and being really mindful that there is more to life than being in business and to really make sure that we're looking after our health and our wellness and our mental health just as much as we look after the health of our business. So Mon, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Steph. Big love to you. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. My personal mission is to help women just like you to grow their business and give you the advice and insights you need to make your business go boom. And as part of my commitment to that mission, I have created a mini course called the Boom Your Biz mini course, and I want to offer it to you completely for free. So in this three-part mini course, you're going to learn how to identify and attract the perfect clients that you actually love to work with. You'll learn an easy and effective way to build your core offer and increase the amount of people that actually take you up on that offer and how to generate endless high quality leads absolutely free. Included in this free mini course is exclusive training. I give you templates and processes that you can follow and implement in your business right now to start seeing results straight away. The value of this mini course, guys, is $497, but I'm giving it to you completely for free. So if you're ready to level up and take action, use the link in my show notes to download this mini course. I'll see you next episode.